Hello, everyone. This is the American Pale Mail Podcast with me, your co-host, Michael, and my other co-host... Me, Jeremy. Michael, how are you? And aside this call connection problem, Jeremy, I'm doing pretty good. It's getting better as it goes on, but, Michael, how about you give me a beer brag? Jeremy, I have a little different thing for a beer brag. Always breaking the rules. Yeah, well... And maybe I have to phrase this carefully. Okay. So I'm not impugning myself. Impuner. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be an impuner. So I made this cider, as I do from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I accidentally left it outside in the frigid, cold winter weather. I like where this is going. <laughs> and Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. I wanted to do this when I was back home, but I forgot the cider. And so, yeah, so... I was surprised at how much of the water froze, and what was left on the bottom was... Applejack! Yeah, it was indeed Applejack. Nice. Now, of course, since this was an error, I discarded it right away, because, you know, distilling is illegal. You are, uh... Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um... But I also went to the store and bought some Applejack, <laughs> and how did that taste, Michael? This, this oh. perfectly legally distilled stuff that you made. Or bought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was interesting. So the yeast I used to make the cider I've used in the past, and it has not been very good, but it was the only thing I had. So, like, <laughs> I knew it wouldn't taste very good. But um, it basically amplified that flavor. I mean, obviously, but I was surprised at how concentrated it was. Oh. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. But it turned out pretty well. The, uh, the, the stuff I bought was uh-huh, pretty yeah. good. The, uh, uh, four stars. The best ice that you made, <laughs> or bought, rather, bought, bought. at the gas station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a little interesting experiment. The ice, it was, you know, like when milk um, freezes, mm-hmm. how it gets like those shards in it? Oh, yeah. It was basically like a big block of that on top, kind of slushy, but still connected together. Did you... Uh, did they use a skimmer? Basically, I kind of used a knife. <laughs> I, I saw this video of the making process, and they used like a knife, and they basically kind of cut it up into sections and just pulled it out. Awesome. And then, yeah, there was some floating in there that they skimmed off. So, yeah, it was an interesting experiment to watch. I, I think if my measurements that I saw were correct, I think like I pulled... Or they pulled like 60 to 80% of the weight off of the product. That'll do it. That'll do it. So yeah, it was like 4 to 5x uh, concentration, inverse homeopathy kind of thing going on. But um, yeah, so that was a, like an interesting little project. And I uh, since then have gotten some new yeast that I've not tried before. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out for regular old cider. Nice. So that's my... Brag slash beer lab, cider <laughs> <Then> lab. You <laughs> bought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Jeremy, what is your beer brag? My, so, Michael, uh, I I fear that I'm going to become a broken record when it comes to breweries in the area. Okay. Because as uh, Council of the Great White North had noted, that Coralville is turning pretty much into one giant brewery. Um, <laughs> I went back to Guild. Oh, round two. Round two. Uh, I there was a a basketball game this past Saturday. The le- the less said about which the better. 
Okay. I met up with normal counsel of the show and had some brunch there. <laughs> and after the thorough drubbing by the number three Purdue team, uh, we went back down to wait for the traffic to clear up because it's in a not a great place to get your car out onto the road. Mm. I had the Birds Toasted Brown, one of the few that I did not try the last time. And it's the best one they have there, in my opinion. Wow. I might not have the numbers right, but I believe it's their 8% brown ale. And where it differs is I'm pretty sure it has toasted coconut in it. Ooh, that sounds good. Sounds accessible. It It is accessible. And as established, I'm not a huge coconut man, but the last time I had coconut in a beer was Jesus on a Coconut from Exile. And yes. uh, this was sort of like a brown ale version of that. Nutty, but it's still got a really thick malt backbone to it and it's it's phenomenal mm. i'm i'm a big fan and the breakfast was not shabby either probably not a whole lot there for people of your nature what with it being a a sausage place a sausage party of sorts a, a sausagery of sorts but you know what you can probably find some stuff with only eggs in the breakfast well we'll get more into meat later jeremy then anywho we shall continue i want to talk about video games for a little bit oh, i can do that um, because the video game speedrunning marathon, Awesome Games Done Quick, just happened in early January. Uh-huh. And I've been enjoying a lot of those videos. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a charity event where they do some speedruns through video games. And these are like pretty much the some of the best in the world, or at least the best in the country, come together and kind of demonstrate their speedrunning prowess. So this is beating games that took days, weeks, or Gosh, games that you couldn't even beat as a child. Yeah, and, I know the type. Uh, running through them in, you know, an hour, less than an hour. I feel so inadequate when I watch these things. I know. Well, one that I know you saw that I enjoyed too, Jeremy, was a man playing Punch-Out. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Super Punch-Out at the same time. This made me so mad. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know you like those games. Oh yeah, I or love at least them. Super Punch Out. Uh, I I do love Super Punch Out quite a bit. Yes, I'm fine. I finally made it to the World Circuit. Oh yeah, because and this maybe a lot of these games would ring uh good for you, Jeremy, oh, yeah. because you recently acquired that SNES Classic. That's right. A lot of these games tend to be throwback games too mm-hmm. that they're speed running. So yeah, that it was amazing. He had one controller input playing both games at once. And he could kind of manipulate pause screens and also just knowing when he could literally play both games at the same time. It was very impressive. It makes me mad. So I I could uh, generally... when I, So when I had it on the emulator, I mean in a totally legal fashion back in the day, mm-hmm. um, I could get to Piston Hurricane pretty okay. easily. Like I could beat the first two guys in Super Punch-Out pretty fast. Piston Hurricane still gives me a hard time, but if I can get past him, I can beat, you know, the first round. I only recently, for the first time in my life, beat the the intermediate circuit, and the IRA terrorist that is the first character in the world circuit has given me some, given me the business. Yeah, I think as previously mentioned on the show, not the... Um... Not the most enlightened of games. Right. Speaking of speed runs, Michael, I finally beat Chapter 1 of Metal Gear Solid 5. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought there were 
it was just one thing, but apparently, you know, you go through the game, you destroy the Metal Gear, and all is done. There's still 19 missions to be done in this game. Uh, but after 79 hours and one minute of playing that, I needed a break. So I've started up Dark Souls 3, and which is not exactly the best way to go. Given right, that, yeah. But, uh... Oh, it should be a challenge. Oh, God, it's so hard. Like, I realize I'm just trying to still get back in the groove, but it's like, oh my god. Don't get angry. Don't curse too much. Don't scare the neighbors. And I'll probably be okay. Eventually, I will beat that game. Mark my words. Well, one game that uh, frustrated me to no end when I was a young lad, and I, I think we talked about this recently. Maybe you played this too. It was uh, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. Oh, yeah. With the bunny ears. Um, on Game Boy. Yeah, the bunny ears. yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a speed run of that oh, that Jesus. Uh, I loved. Uh, he beat it in about 30 minutes, less than 30 minutes. That's not fair, man. That's I know. Not cool. Seen. I for, just forgot all about the bosses and the music. The music was solid. Yeah, whirlwind way to go through that game. He had somebody on his couch um, who was doing commentary, and he started like making up lyrics to the songs, uh-huh. <laughs> which was great. Um, they need to be heckling. <laughs> No, they're pretty supportive. They're pretty... Usually. It depends how smarmy they are. Speaking of old video games, friend of the show, Steve and I, with a side beer brag, uh, you gave me a 12-pack of Mutiny IPA from uh, Capital Brewing last time I saw it. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was pretty good. But uh, we had that, and while his baby was sleeping, we played some Kirby's Dream Course because neither of us could remember how to play it. Mm -hmm. And I tried it on my my classic here at home, and I was like, this is stupid. I don't understand how to play it. (laughs) But uh, we figured it out, and I'm not good at it, but it is fun. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever played that one. I'll have to... uh... It's an isometric golf game. What? No. (laughs) No, I've never played that game. I don't even know if I've heard of that. No. Oh, yeah. So you're... uh... You you have dueling Kirby's, so you know I had a pink one, Steve had a yellow one, Mm -hmm. and then you play golf, and there's enemies on the on the field of play, on the course, I guess you would say, uh-huh. and you have to smash your Kirby into those enemies, and each time you do that, a little star pops up, and it turns your color. And then you want to, when you get rid of every enemy except for the last one, the last one will turn into the hole. But you can also steal the stars by rolling over them, and you get power-ups. And uh, It's not based on strokes, which is nice, but it is based uh, okay. on how many of those stars you get. That's your score for each one, and you want a high score in this one. So oh, wow. It's it's fun, but Steve is a lot better at it than I am. He tends to pick things up quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. It's not fair. <laughs> but I'm going to practice. I'm going to take a sandwich and a soda, and I'm going to get real good, and I'll show him. <laughs> I'll have to look into that game. That sounds very intriguing. It's, it's weird. It, exactly, yes. Jeremy, I, I want to continue with Week in Geek stuff. Bringing it back. Yeah. Just wanted to do a little shout out again to Harry Hooley. Oh yeah, I I just finished the fifth book in that detective series that you recommended on a whim to me, and look at what you've done, Jeremy. Is the fifth one the Redeemer? No, that's, so that's six. Six, yeah. This is the. I think I am assuming this is the end of the arc with his kind of arch enemy, the Devil Star. Yeah. Yeah, that. yeah. That's the end of that arc. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good book. I like that one. So that was satisfying to see that. Uh-huh. Uh, three book arc kind of come to an end so i've read six and seven the redeemer and the snowman respectively and uh the snowman is uh is pretty awesome but i fear it's gonna be ruined by this garbage movie that just came out yeah i heard that's not too good Mm -hmm. 
just just read the book. Don't watch the movie. I'm sure the movie's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of going up and reading Through the Snowman. So if you like gritty, gruesome crime mysteries. Oh, boy, does it get gruesome. Do you know what the snowman, what happens in that one? I know people <laughs> People get dead. Yeah, yeah. All right, don't don't look up anything else about it. Just 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 read it. It it gets gross. Oh God. It gets real oh, gross. God. Yeah, sometimes it's a little much for my taste, but um, uh, yeah, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I've kind of got sucked in. You know, I sucked in with the characters, and yeah. so that's that's why I definitely wanted to finish this three book arc so I could see the one character get his comeuppance in particular. Yeah, but yeah. um. Uh, keep going. The, no, the, kind of, yeah. the arc continues. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's definitely a self-contained three-book arc, but the story goes on. The, the story yeah. continues. Yeah, that's. I'm trying. I'm trying to be vague here. Is uh, things happen. Um. Okay. But here we are, Michael. Since we're on books, we're three. What three weeks into the new year? I finished my third book already. Wow. Yeah. So, what three did you read, and which one would you recommend? The first one was. Pill City by Kevin Deutsch. Deutsch? What, how you say German in German? Deutsch? Deutsch, yeah. Pill City is an account of how two teens used opioids looted during the 2015 Baltimore riots to sell drugs using an Uber-like app. And they founded a nationwide criminal syndicate. Whoa. Yeah, it's intense. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> in, the, in the book, these two high school kids who, they see the unrest that happens after the Freddie Gray murder out there i'll go ahead whatever it was a murder mm-hmm. because they just saw you know baltimore kind of getting ready to blow up a la you know the watts riots of 68 or the la riots of 68 64 whenever the watts rioted and you know the yeah. uh, the la riots in 92 and so they got the local gang members to while the cops were all dealing with the rioters who were justifiably pissed off about the Baltimore PD killing a guy. They ripped off a whole bunch of pharmacies around town while the riots were going on, and then they used the gang members to go and rip off all of the uh, the illicit opioids from their competition. Mm-hmm. And then they used uh, one of those encrypted messaging apps on phones and you know the Tor network to be like, "Hey, I want uh, fifty Vicodin or whatever," and then someone would drive to their house. And give them 50 Vicodin for about a tenth of what the competition was selling them for. And in doing... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like $5 a pill as opposed to, you know, $30 to $50 a pill. And in doing so, if the book is to be believed, they created, you know, a whole new wave of junkies. The book largely takes place in the parts of Baltimore that were made famous by The Wire. Okay, sure. But it's all these people who were using heroin then just be like... Well, you know, it's a pill. It came from, someone had to get prescribed this. How bad can it be? And, you know, it's fentanyl and Dilaudid and, you know, just oxycodone. a lot of oxycodone, things of that nature. And so, yeah, the looted pills from Baltimore that were, you know, stolen during that time were have been found all over the country. That is incredible. I never knew about that. Yeah, I didn't either. But my uh, standard approach is when I can't find a book to read is just kind of walk up to the true crime new releases and be like, hmm. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, ten books about that guy for making a murderer? No. Oh, God. No, no. It's like, drug wars in West Baltimore? Sign me up. Did you find yourself rooting for those two teens? No. In the book? Absolutely no, not. Not at all? No. Okay. It's I understand and I empathize, but uh, there's enough, more than enough illegal 
well, not illegal, but prescription opioids and opioids of illegal natures floating around that we don't need. Uh, <laughs> these, these two jerks flooding the market. Okay, and yeah. Just dropping the prices so everyone is just overdosing left and right. I think that's a uh, safe stance, yeah. That's a good call. <laughs> Number two was Rosemary's Baby because I'd never read it and I saw it on an end cap. Um, is, I'd that, seen, is that the one where she has to choose between two babies? No, that is Sophie's Choice. Okay, okay. Give me like the elevator pitch of this book because I'm getting confused. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was infamously made into a movie in like 68. The book came out in 67. Okay. Basically, elevator pitches. Young couple moves into an old apartment building. They're told by a friend that, you know, oh, that place has a disturbing history with witchcraft and murder. But they're like, yeah, whatever. And they meet their neighbors who are probably Satanists. She gets pregnant. The book does a better job of making it more like, is she hallucinating or is it was she actually, you know, impregnated by Satan? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's an entertaining read. Uh, And the third book was Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage Murders and the f- the Birth of the FBI. Oh, so more true crime. More true crime. The book investigates a series of murders of wealthy Osage people that took place in Osage County, Oklahoma in the early 1920s after big oil deposits were discovered beneath their land. Officially, the count of the murdered full-blood wealthy Osage Native Americans reaches at least 20, but the author suspects that hundreds more may have been killed because of their ties to oil. So basically, like, uh, when the Osage Indians were pushed onto a big slab of rock in the middle of nowhere, part of the deal of them accepting that they would move to this big slab of rock in the middle of nowhere is that they uh, would retain all the rights to the land, including anything that may have come from the land. Mm -hmm. And, well, when they were shoveled on there in the 1900s, 10s, no one knew that there was a whole pile of oil underneath. And so when when they found the oil... They started pumping it out, and everyone in the Osage tribe would get a dividend check, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they get super rich. They have, you know, white people as servants. They're all driving cars around. <laughs> wow. They He gives a, uh, like, a, in today's money, it would be, like, something like $15 million a person per year, or, or something along those lines. Don't quote me on that. Whoa, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But then the Osage start showing up dead. And the uh, agents that go to investigate it suspect that people are murdering them in order to get the head right, or basically they want their oil money because it comes in perpetuity until the mu- until the oil is gone. And so uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I really enjoyed that book. It's probably my favorite one so far. Okay. Holy crap! What? Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio are developing a film based on an adaptation of the book. I was wondering if they were going to make this into a movie. Filming is expected to start in spring 2018 with two of the best. Ah, this rocks. Yeah, that's great. Well, some good read recommendations there, Jeremy, as always. Now, how many last year you set 30 book goal? Is that the same this year? I think, what did you say for this year? How many books? It is the same this year. I'm going to go for 30 again, but I'm going to go for a higher page count. Like I want an average, a higher average page count this year. Gotcha, gotcha. A few of them that I have in line will more than account for that. Okay. So while I may be averaging one a week, that's not going to stay the case for very long. Very good, Jeremy. Michael, all this talking has me parched. Well, can I ask you about hamburgers first? 
Oh, yeah, sorry. All right. It's one of the things that I thought of during the week that I had to try on the show. You're going to eat a hamburger. <laughs> no, I'm going to ask Damn. you about hamburgers. Oh, okay. Jeremy, this is the origin of the question. This is because right. I think I was listening to a podcast about hamburgers. And What's the most extreme hamburger you've ever eaten? Hmm. And there will be follow-up questions. Okay, so my burgers almost exclusively come from Shorts these days in downtown Iowa City. Okay. They make the wildest one that I think I've had there that's like the, wait, what? They have one that is basically a gyro where they have like cucumber, tomato, feta, and tzatziki sauce on it, which is is not, you know, the craziest of hamburgers, Mm -hmm. but it is out there for uh, a topping. You have okay. so, you have some like chili, and they make one with this awesome capicola on it. It's pretty great, and muffaletta sauce. It's delicious. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh, the the Eero one. Okay. Now, what's the most extreme one that you've had at a just a normal fast food restaurant? And my extreme here, I'm not saying like something crazy, but like size, large, triple okay. cheeseburger, extreme in that direction. Uh, I think we went to Fat Burger the first time I was in Las Vegas. And, okay. if me- and if memory serves, I went with a three-quarter pound patty, and I did not feel right after I ate that. <laughs> I was going to say, because I think I saw a picture of, like, a triple cheeseburger. Isn't that uh-huh. too much? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a burger boy? Uh, sure. I do enjoy I do enjoy a great burger. I don't have them as much as I would like, but, you know, a nice, uh, you can go with a nice fat well, no pun intended or joke intended, but you know, a nice fatted burger. Or you can get one on the griddle that hasn't been cleaned since, you know, the uh, the Harding administration at George's Buffet <laughs> here in Iowa City. Um, do you consider yourself a connoisseur of fast food locales? No, like? no. I, no? I, okay. I enjoy, I, I like trying different stuff, but uh, for the sake of conversation, yes, I do. <laughs> no, I just wanted to know how, like, deep into fast food menus you've gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want to go into a well that's relatively dry in this burger inquiry. Well, speaking of Vegas, I did have the uh, I did have the animal-style double-double at In-N-Out. That was pretty awesome. Oh. I also did not feel quite right after I had that. <laughs> did you ever see um, in Japan? Oh, boy. There was this anime and manga called Attack on Titan. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen or read. I think you might actually like that. I don't know if you're a big anime fan, but it is pretty brutal. It, it looks good and gross. Yeah, fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the characters is modeled after Brock Lesnar. <laughs> awesome. But that aside, uh, in conjunction with this anime, Attack on Titan... Mm. They released a burger with like I think it was ten patties on I it. I saw I think I saw something about this on like uh one of those weirdo food things. Yeah. And this was, you know, going a few years back now, two, three uh, years, but when the show, like when the first season of the show was big? Yes, yeah. yeah. When you see like the advertisement picture, it's like <laughs> stacked real neatly. But um if you see like a picture of somebody who actually <laughs> sure ordered it's it, it's just like this. <laughs> big mound of garbage. It's <laughs> so gross mm, looking, but yeah, that's would disgusting. you do it, Jeremy? No, that's would gross. You... <laughs> okay. I'm not a big uh, comedy eating fan or like eating like challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I, I think the closest I got was when we used to go get uh, all-you-can-eat chicken wings in downtown Iowa City on Monday nights. Mm-hmm. And I believe, like, one day, I I don't know why it happened, but I ended up having, like, 45 chicken wings in one sitting. I didn't feel right after I did that either. There's a running theme going here. <laughs> and then the next day was hot, 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 hot. Oh, dude, you don't get till the next day. You get until you're lucky <laughs> if you get home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. You, you don't eat those wings. You rent them at the <laughs> risk of being disgusting. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Friends of the All show, right. well, if you had those chicken wings with us, write in and let let Michael know that I'm not making this up. <laughs> There's at least two that listen. That is so gross. Okay. This is the most disgusting that segment we've ever done. <laughs> well, thank you for your candor in the hamburger <laughs> segment, Jeremy. Um Yes, I I was curious about that and wanted to know what your thoughts were on fast food and hamburgers, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. P.S. on this subject, uh, Council of of the Show has a controversial theory regarding hamburgers. That the only thing that one need get on a hamburger, you know, the the perfect way to keep it constant and, you know, and truly judge a burger on its own merits rather than whether they can, you know, put chocolate syrup and a fried egg on it or whatever is you just get the old LTO and a slice of cheese on it. LTO, lettuce, tomato, onion. Okay, interesting. I thought thought it was going to be just plain patty. No, only uh, homicidal maniacs eat plain hamburgers. (laughs) Don't ever trust someone who eats a plain hamburger. Okay, I was just going to ask if you enjoyed those, but it sounds like that's not your thing. No, no. Okay. I, I, I say that, yeah. If you're truly trying to judge the meat and the quality of the burger itself, I think that's a reasonable, you know, limit your variety of uh, toppings. I see, yeah. I see where he's coming from, but I'm going to disagree. Really? I, you think like the gr- toppings make the burg? Well, I know the meat makes the burg. It's just okay. sometimes I uh, sometimes I want some caramelized onion on, on a burger. But it, let's say you're... Com- then maybe this isn't what he's saying, um, but if you want to compare oh, yeah. apples to apples, burgers to burgers. Oh, sure. Yeah, that. I mean, he's he's saying that's all that he's going to get on them from here on out. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. No, okay. I thought he was being scientific, but he's being... No, 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 he's being a smug lawyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Does not fit the definition of burger here and called burger. Yes. Well, all this burger talk is making me parched. <laughs> well done, Michael. Well done. <laughs> Jeremy, you know, we just did a beer swap and we have some beers that are good for the season and some beers that we were curious to try in any case. So, but this one um is not necessarily a seasonal brew, but I think it fits the season. And oddly enough, we have these these beers that are supposed to be made for winter warming and it's like 50 degrees out right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they kind of uh Pulled a switcheroo on us, but uh, there is a there is a blizzard on the other side of the stage. But uh, Michael, we're 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 talking, of course, about the FDR, wherein we find mm-hmm. a beer, drink a beer, and rate a beer. Uh, what do we got this week, and where did you get it from? I'm curious. Today we have from Southern Tier Brewing Company, Two X Stout. It's a double milk stout, contains lactose sugars. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Thank you. Um, uh, Southern Tier, it's weird that it's in uh, Lakewood, New York. <laughs> yeah, that's what, when I actually got this, uh, I thought, oh, yeah, this is like some like Georgia or 
South Carolina Brewing Company. So it's odd that it's from the very northern part of the country. Yes. But yes, it is from New York. Not New York, New York, but New York State. So they started back in 2002, and um, it's kind of, again, one of those rags-to-riches type craft brew stories. Um, So I won't go too much into it, but um, they have a satellite brew pub in Pittsburgh. They just built a huge new facility and uh, distribution center earlier this decade. So um, they're pretty big. I don't know if they're... Are they in the top craft breweries uh, i should i didn't look that up find southern no it is not on the top 50 breweries of 2016 okay so they're not that big so i don't know how it got how like it got in my zone but it was there they mm-hmm. must distribute I, i've only seen that at this one store so they must make it over here somehow but uh-huh um, so it's part of their 2X series. So they have actually two IPAs in that series and this 2X Stout. And they also have 2X Miss Ale, which is a seasonal. And God. we actually had that on the show way back in our first Christmas celebration thing. And I believe it garnered pretty favorable reviews, being quite a Christmassy tasting beer. Um, so finally, we're getting back to Southern Tier after probably two years or so. So I'm really looking forward to it. A very Mikey Christmas, the first one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I have some flavor text here for this beer. Go for it. Milk stout, also called cream or sweet stout, is a stout containing lactose, a sugar derived from milk. Because lactose is unfermentable by beer yeast, it adds sweetness and body to the finished beer. Milk stouts have been claimed to be nutritious and were marketed as such in the early 1900s with claims that would make the FDA wince. <laughs> One ad read, Ideal for nursing mothers, for the healthy, for the invalid, and for the worker. <laughs> Thank you, um, Southern Tier, for the background on milk stouts. And then they go on to say, Of course, we couldn't stop at the traditional milk stout. Ours is a double with an addition to our 2X line and at 7.5 ABV, is every bit as delicious as it sounds to your health. Prost, I guess. And it's brewed with two varieties of hops and three types of malts. It says that on the bottle. It does. Um, I don't have any details of what those are, but they're in there. <laughs> I'm going to go for the open and the pour here. Okay. I shall do the same thing. Okay. Michael, what what kind of glass are you using? Just like a footed kind of tulip glass, a large tulip glass. A big fat tulip I don't know if that's good. Not terribly flared at the top. Fat tulip, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's straight. It's dark. Jeremy, I cannot see a thing. It's like pitch black. That really is pitch black. Even when I do the monitor test, I can't uh-huh. get anything from it. Not even around the edges. Uh-huh. Smell? Um, I'm incredibly congested, but I will okay. attempt to smell. There is a sweet smell to it. Yeah. I would say that predominates. I am getting that. Kind of a sweet... um, Roasty, chocolatey. Yeah. Grainy? A little, little bit. bit. Grainy in a good way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's go in, shall we? It's... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's a little more effervescent than I thought it would be. It it really is. It's it, it it's aggressive on the tongue in the that fact. It's almost like the scrub and bubs are kind of uh, bouncing around. But um, after that kind of washes away, very a, sweet... Uh, very stouty... That's nice. Stouty, yeah, flavor. Really intense. Nice chocolatey, 
like a sweet milk chocolate flavor. It's good. It is. But it, oh man, that flavor is really it, really it just, intense. It just hangs out there too. Yeah. It's like the, yeah, the it's bleakest, the most brutal of dark chocolates. I I like it so far anyway. Yeah, it's if you're into this kind of beer, this is really punches heavy for the uh sweet stout flavor. I'm usually not a the biggest fan of like sweet stouts. Mm-hmm. I do like them. I like the chocolate stouts. I for milk stouts personally, I I need a little adjunct or just a super wallop of the roast in there because just the sweetness can mm-hmm. get a little little bit much, but um this one is the, the the bitterness is really coming through nicely, and I think that that's uh, balancing that sweetness. Yeah, it's not it's not like a cloying sweetness. It does it is no. still balanced. I'm trying to think. I'm just kind of keep going back in. The bitterness is really the showstopper? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Is that the way to put it? The roast. It's an incredible. So one thing I learned about uh like super dark uh, roasts. Mm-hmm. In grains, when you're doing that, is a little bit goes a long way, which is why the uh, Drinkenstein's monster was so uh, bleak and brutal. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. But uh, do you think that there's much beyond that? Init- so, and this is not meant to be a, a slag on the beer at all. But do you mm-hmm. think there's anything more to this than just that wallop of bitterness at the front end, alongside that, you know, the effervescent buzz on your tongue, and the the latent bitterness, I guess you would call it. Are you getting anything else besides those two main characteristics? No, not that, you know, you're saying that, like, there's not a lot of, like, intricacy, like, a uh, complexity There's depth, here. but it's not like we're having the uh, William Milo Stone. Right. Was that the right name? That was more complex, and the flavor evolved. Whereas this one is really just front and center, brutal, sweet stout. I really wish I knew what the hops were in it. But this. well made. Oh, definitely. Is the sweetness grinding on you at all? It is a little bit, and which is kind of odd, because usually it's the bitterness that tends to grind on my palate. But mm. you're right, in this case, um, it it is getting a little... My tongue is kind of, I don't know. I felt like if I drank a lot of this, you could do a Ren and Stimpy type close-up of my tongue, and it would be really gross. Um, <laughs> you know... Why did you put that you know image I mean? in my like, head? Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's disgusting. And then like an air horn sounds in the back. Uh-huh. Um, All your teeth are loose. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, Ugh. Just because, yeah, it's like literally like just pulling moisture off of my tongue just because of how sweet and bold it is. I mean, and then mm. that bitter kind of overtone also comes into play too but it's more that a rush of sweetness just like uh waves going over sand this is it's it's clearly a stout because it's dark as hell and it's you know roasty and a little chocolatey a little and it's it, it just has char on it i think is a good way to put mm-hmm. it um mm-hmm. but in some other ways like i think i'm getting used too used to stouts being uh like a chocolate or an imperial or a uh you know, fill in the blank. Just ones that have right. like the, 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 this is a pecan stout. This is a praline stout. You know, this one is mm-hmm. different in a good way, but it's also not what I expected. Okay, what did you expect? Um, when I see milk stout, my mind immediately goes to something along the lines of like a uh, uh, chocolate. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair, there are hints of cocoa in this, but it's just. 
it's not a chocolate stout like, say, the Sam Smith, and it's not a right. coffee stout like Bell's wonderful Arabicadabra, which you should really try if you haven't. Oh. It, yeah, it really plays the, you know, milk sweet card straight. It doesn't mm-hmm. spin it in any way. You're right, yeah. Which is refreshing in a way. Mm-hmm. They put their money where their mouth is. They definitely uh, doubled up on everything here. Yeah, it's very intense flavor. Yeah. This is like when I first started drinking beers, I think I would go nuts over this one because this was I really liked uh, dark beers that easy to drink. And I find this relatively easy to drink. I know we made that Ren and Stimpy. I think just like the sweetness makes it, especially for an uh, early beer drinker like back in the day, it makes it easier to drink than something that would be wildly bitter or super coffee or something. Yeah. Uh, I see where you're going for, but uh, for me, that bitterness definitely overwhelms the sweetness in a good way because, as we've established many time and time again, that I am a fan of bitter things. Yeah. I don't know. I'm picking up more on the sweet profile. Actually, well, as I drink it, it is going more bitter just as those receptors get saturated so um uh-huh like initially it was totally sweet but now it's you know the needle somewhere in the middle so so we've uh we've jabbered enough about stouts michael what do you say we get into the r yeah. i kind of have a rating locked in then go for it while i go in for the sip of judgment so i think we kind of talked a lot about the thing that was kind of being picky um at least on my end but I don't know. This, like I said, this is kind of like revelation throwback to. Oh yeah, I would have really liked this beer back in the day. Maybe I like it now too. So, um, yeah, I just like that straightforward, playing its cards, open on the table. This mm-hmm. is a bold two X stout, and it's gonna be sweet because it's a milk stout. I agree. As much as I like adjuncts and stuff like that, this is nice. Also, I have to say, for a seven point five percent, it's pretty smooth probably that sweetness covers some of that up really easy to drink in that regard i'm also liking this has like this crisp quality to it that i'm enjoying too after you swallow and then breathe out there's kind of this refreshing note i don't know it's hard to put into words but every once in a while certain beers will have that i don't see it too often with stouts but for whatever reason this one's doing that too and just a nice refreshing pop at the end so that's another thing I like about it. But I'm going to give it a 4.25. I don't know. It's just like really wetting my whistle right now. So I don't know. Some nostalgia factor is in there too, apparently. And I don't know. I just haven't enjoyed a stout like this in a while. Well, I guess we had that stout from the brewery I was from going to Seven say. Hills that I really like too. Maybe I'm getting back into stouts suddenly. I don't know. But this, I haven't liked stouts for a long time. And for some reason, this one's just tripping my trigger. So I like it. Sip of judgment, the final, the final chapter. Okay. Um, I I really appreciate the independent parts of this. Like, I really like that that hard roast bitterness on there. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's enough to you know counteract the sweetness, and the more it warms up, the more that bitter is really popping on that uh, the dark roast. Um, I just don't think that the the parts come together as a coherent whole. Okay. Um, I I admire what it's trying to do, but it's for me it's not a it doesn't come together perfectly. Um, Three point two five. I like it. I'm not okay. wild about it. 
but I like what it's doing. I don't know. Yeah, and you might be coming from a position of experience there because, you know, when I order at a bar, I typically avoid stouts. So maybe I'm just getting a um, kind of like a lucky draw here and mm-hmm. hitting one that I liked and not basing that off of any comparison. So I would really like to see this in a nitro. Yeah, that was one thing. So like the effervescence kind of, especially initially, turned me off a little bit because mm-hmm. it, it would lend itself for some smoothness versus that, I don't know, it was just a bevy of bubbles. So uh-huh. um, yeah, I agree with that notion. I second that emotion. I'm good. All right, cool. Another one down the gullet. Jeremy, do you want to do the social media? Yes, Michael. I would love to do the social media plugs. Uh, you can find <laughs> us at American Pale Males on just about everything or at APM Pod on just about everything. Send us a tweet at APM Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email at APMPod at gmail.com. You can also find this on YouTube. And subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Check out our uh, recently resurgent untapped profile featuring former host emeritus. Well, I guess he's always a host emeritus. Mike, APM Pod on Untapped. He's been doing pretty good about keeping up on it. Yeah, I saw that. All right. Well, uh, for Michael, I've been Jeremy. For Jeremy, I've been Michael. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>